You're listening to Geek Cred, episode 49, featuring Veronica Belmont. Hello, Internet. I'm Steve Rickyberg, and welcome to Geek Cred, the podcast that delivers in-depth, behind-the-scenes interviews about everything geek. And on this episode, I am pleased to introduce Veronica Belmont. Welcome to Geek Cred. Thank you for having me. So to start off, tell me a little bit about yourself and about your background. What is the origin story of Veronica Belmont? Oh, man. Um, huh. How far back do you want me to go? As far back as you want to go. Oh, OK. Um, I grew up in Connecticut. I, oh, gosh. Yeah, that's pretty far back. Let's <laughs> see. Uh, my um, Both my parents kind of worked in in technology-related careers in one way or another. Um, so I, I had a lot of, you know, technology was something I definitely grew up with uh, and mm. was involved with from an early age, whether that be video games or, or computers or laptops or whatever we had around the house. Um, it was always very encouraged of me. And so, yeah, I, I went to school for audio radio production, actually, um, at Emerson in Boston. And... Um, I, I moved out to San Francisco after I graduated college and I got a job as an intern at CNET Networks. And it was a great fit because um, it was a technology company, obviously, which I was super happy to work with because it's a huge name in that space. Mm -hmm. And for someone to just graduate and get an internship there for me was a, a big deal. Um, and also I was working on audio stuff. So I had a background in that, obviously. And uh, it was a good combination of those skills. Uh, I was originally doing audio web production for some of their B2B stuff. And then uh, they needed someone to take over the producing helm for Buzz Out Loud, which just kicked off at the time. Uh, my boss at the time was the original producer and he took off to go work at Oracle and um, they needed someone to take care of it. So I jumped at the opportunity because I was you know, it was the very early days of podcasting then, and I was familiar with it, but not a lot of people were. So it was, it was perfect. Right. And a, a few, uh, about a year into that, I started talking on the show. I became the eventual third co-host along with uh, Tom Merritt and Molly Wood. And then I, my boss, my other boss, um, he asked me to, my, my new boss asked me to do some video production stuff because uh, they were relaunching CNET TV. And he said, well, if you can write some segments and if you feel comfortable being in front of the camera, uh, by all means, like we could use the help. So I jumped in, started writing some segments, started producing them. I was also a video editor because I was producing the first look from the lab series over there. And so I was writing, hosting and editing all my own video segments for a while. And that was super fun. And then they assigned a producer to me eventually. So that was a much bigger help, <laughs> freed up a little more time, but I was still producing and editing most of the audio podcasts there as well. So yeah, I was there for about three or four years. And then I left to uh, start a new show called Mahalo Daily for mahalo.com. And that was a more eclectic video show. Uh, we, we dealt with a lot of cultural entertainment stuff. Um, and I did that show for about eight months. It was great. And it was, you know, at the top of the iTunes charts, but it wasn't really my, my wheelhouse. I wanted to get back more into the geeky content, the technology related content, video games. And so I, I left that show in April of 2008 and jumped into co-hosting Texilla over on Revision 3, which I still host, uh, along with Patrick Norton, and um, also Core on the PlayStation Network, which was a brand new digital magazine that was being produced by Future US, which is the, the publisher of 
most of the official gaming magazines out there like OXM, um, PlayStation, the official magazine, and Nintendo Power. And so then, yeah, I, I did that show for four years, uh, uh, still doing Texilla. Um, now I'm also co-hosting an, another podcast video show uh, called Sword and Laser, which I actually started four years ago as well, but it's, it just started as a video show on yeah. YouTube on the Geek and Sundry channel with Felicia Day. So we're, we've been very excited about that. I'm hosting that with my, you know, my, my Buzz Out Loud alum, uh, Tom Merritt is my co-host, and we've been having a great time with it. So that's kind of where I'm at right now. Yeah, you, wow, you definitely really covered all the bases. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was that was my my origin story. <laughs> so I, I think that's that's interesting that you had all of this technology and all these toys growing up. So you were always a geek growing up. This wasn't something you embraced as an adult. Yeah, I was I was a super tomboy too. So I was running around with all the the kids in the neighborhood, the boys in the neighborhood, and we, you know, there wasn't. I my best friend was a girl, but we didn't share a lot of the same kinds of interests outside of just being kind of stuck in the same location with each other, because um, she lived across the street. And uh, but yeah, when I got into middle school and high school, um, most of my friends were guys, and we just you know we hung out after school and did computer club. We played D and D together. We were trolling AOL chat rooms. <laughs> thing. I had a BBS on on my laptop that I would hook up to the uh, phone line. It was like you know a fourteen four connection at that time. Um, hooking that up when my parents would go to bed, so I could use the modem. Um, and not disturb them with, you know, not suck up the phone line so they couldn't get right. phone calls during the day. Um, so yeah, I was, I was definitely into that stuff. I played a lot of video games. My, my mom encouraged me, but I, I think she also thought it was a little bit strange that I would rather sit inside and play mm. NES than go outside and play with my friends. But I took them very seriously. I, I don't want to say I was a sickly child, but I missed <laughs> a lot of school when I was a kid. And um, I, you, whenever I would get real sick or have to go to the doctor or something, my mom would buy me a bravery present. And my bravery uh, present was usually a, you know, if I had to get a shot or or get blood work done or something, um, it would be a, a new Nintendo cartridge. And there you go. So I built up a pretty good collection at one point. Um, I'm sad to say that I actually sold it all to a little boy down the street um, when I was a kid. When I, I think I moved on to like a Super Nintendo, and so I sold him all my old Nintendo cartridges, and I'm sad that I did that. <laughs> I regret that decision. So in a field where the kind of male stereotype as a gamer and as a geek dominates, do you find it challenging as a girl doing what you do? Not so much anymore. Um, I think there was, you know, there was a little bit of a novelty to it at the right, beginning. I've right. been doing this so long now that I don't get questioned about it very often. It's, it definitely is a male dominated industry, but I think there's a lot of very strong female voices in this space now. And I think we're just going to have to continue to push in that area. It's, but yeah, I had a lot of trouble with it. And I think that's mostly just because I've been at it for so long. <laughs> and, and just how geek is, is the new cool. You have some people kind of just coming in and, and they're kind of posers to, to be honest. So you kind of have to prove that you're legit, I guess. Um, I mean, are they posers? It's such a weird thing. I, I hesitate to call any female trying to to make her name in the space a poser because, you know, unless you really know them, unless you really know what they're about, sure. you, you can't. I, that, that's not quite a fair thing to say. But yeah. But yeah, there are there are certainly some people who are, are jumping on that bandwagon. And I, I think at the end of the day, you know, either you prove yourself or you prove yourself to not actually be part of the community. Um, it's just, a, and time tells. Right. So you mentioned your whole background in audio production in college, and 
you touched on your transition to being a host. Was that a traumatic experience to you, that transition? Because <laughs> it just sounds so funny. It's like, eh, okay, whatever, I'll do it. <laughs> It was it was only traumatic in the fact that since I did have to edit my own content, I got to see how badly I screwed up every uh, time. Yes. So I know it was, what that's like. Yeah, it was a good learning experience. Tom still teases me because if I thought I said something stupid on the podcast, I would edit it out. And he's like, "You can't keep doing that. Like, it's not that's not fair." And I was like, "No, sorry. I have the I hold the I hold the the master key. I can do whatever I want." No one's going to know because I'm a good editor. And um, I still do that occasionally on Sword and Laser, but not as much as I used to. Speaking of Sword and Laser, you, you touched on that, your new transition into video with that. Tell me about the Sword and Laser and how that whole thing came about with uh, Geek and Sundry and Felicia Day. Um, so Sword and Laser, as I mentioned, uh, we've been doing that show since 2008. And um, Tom and I have grown a pretty substantial community um, around the show, the audio podcast. And uh, we still continue to do the audio podcast as well every other week. Um, but Felicia approached me last summer, um, kind of under wraps, telling me that they were working on a new video project, a new channel for YouTube. And would I be interested in bringing Sword and Laser into that? as a video show. And, you know, how am I going to say no to that? So I, <laughs> I called, uh, I called Tom. She actually, I was in New York at the time and she's in LA and she called me, woke me up because I was asleep because <laughs> you know, the time difference. Dang I was time like, zones. Oh, why is Felicia calling me at midnight? What's going on? And, um, I, it was, a, I'm glad I took the call because not that she wouldn't have called back, but it was, it was, <laughs> um, We've, uh, it's been great because it's all our own production. Uh, so Sword and Laser is its own entity and we are contracted out to Geek and Sundry. And so uh, Tom and I have, have built the whole thing ourselves. Uh, you know, we hired a, a studio, Pixel Core, to uh, shoot and edit the product. Um, we have a, a set design company, uh, Fonco Creative. They've done um, sets and miniatures and, and props for companies like and, and uh, I ILM, say, that's Loops a Art pretty and, cool set. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. We are. It's, it's probably one of the, my favorite things I've ever done in my life. Uh, just having that be something I'm working in. Um, and I mean, come on, how, how often can you say you have a dragon on it? You know? I know, right? <laughs> um, the dragon was, was, was Fawn's idea. He just, you know, he's like cyborg, half cyborg dragon, sword and laser. I'm like, yes definitely make that happen. And, uh, they're great to work with and they always have such fabulous ideas. Um, you know, so we, we, we planned a budget. We, we pitched that budget. It was approved. And so, yeah, we're managing the whole thing from the ground up and Felicia and Sherry and Kim serve as executive producers, but they're, they're pretty hands off. You know, they, they help us with the iTunes stuff, um, and some of the, the promotion and the marketing ideas, but the show itself is, is still just me and Tom coming up with it every week. And I think it's just great because you think science fiction and fantasy books, you know, that's only such a big audience, but the community you've built up is just incredible. Yeah, we're one of the largest. So we use Goodreads to host our forums um, because there's such a book centric, author centric uh, website. And um, I'm also I also serve as an advisor for the company. So it works out. And um, we've built a huge community there. We have over 8000 members in our, our forum right now, which is uh, makes it one of the largest groups on Goodreads. And um, yeah, it's a very niche audience, but I think it's a niche that's growing. And our, our views so far have been great. I mean, we have over the first video has over 1000 views so far, which is just phenomenal in my mind. Um, of course, there's going to be a drop off, uh, you know, moving forward because, you know, not everyone's going to love it. But we're, we're very happy with the numbers so far on the YouTube show. And it's been helping the audio podcast grow as well, which I'm very excited about because that's still our baby. Right. 
yeah, we're speaking at a lot of conventions and doing a lot of live shows this, this summer. And, uh, we've gotten a great response from the publishers and the authors and, you know, people are jumping at the chance to be on the show because there's not a lot of outlets for them to do that outside right. of blog posts and their own PR machines. Um, so it's, it's a new space and, uh, it's, it's very exciting. I, I think that's really interesting getting those kind of numbers on YouTube for what is inherently a long form show kind of breaking the, the stereotype of ADD YouTube viewers. <laughs> oh yeah, I know. It's, it's, it's really surprising. It's over a half an hour show and, um, it's very specific and the author interviews are pretty dense sometimes. And if you haven't read the book, it may not be relevant to you, but I think it'll work well in, in the, in the long tail theory. I think the numbers will continue to grow over time because these authors are, are, you know, fantastic. And they have such great ideas and people are searching for them and to learn more about their books and, and the content. So I'm, I'm excited about that. I'm excited to see how they grow over time and how they continue to get feedback. And I love it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. A lot of people I like to talk to on the show, I'd say are creative people in some way. So what inspires you creatively? Um, other creative people, I guess, is the best answer. I've never really considered myself a creative person. I'm not an artist. I'm a, a poor writer at best. I'm trying to get better at writing. I did NaNoWriMo for the first time this year, and I'm getting some feedback on, on my, my story from an author friend of mine, and that's very nerve-wracking. <laughs> hey, just doing NaNoWriMo and completing it is an accomplishment in my oh, book. Oh, I can't believe I did it. I can't believe I completed it. It was so hard. It was so hard, but I'm going to do it this year too. I'm excited about that. Yeah. I don't know. I guess I love, I love reading so much and I don't know, it's, it's inspiring just to see what, what authors come up with. And, you know, I, I cram a lot of information in my brain every day and, you know, I haven't created my own startup, but I work with startups. I, I haven't written anything real yet, but I, I love talking to authors and writers. And so it's, I hope it's only a matter of time before I come up with my own idea outside of, you know, Sword and Laser is like the first thing I've created on my own with Tom. Um, so it's, it's, and it's probably the thing I'm most proud of too. So I guess that just goes to show when you, when you do something on your own, it means that much more. Right. Yeah. I, I can totally identify with that. That would probably be my answer. I admit, because whenever I hang around my creative friends, it's just, you know, invigorates you and inspires you to go out and do mm -hmm. something. Yeah, Definitely. Living in the technology space as you do, how do you keep that fresh? I mean, do you ever succumb to uh, geek fatigue, as I like to call it? <laughs> um, no, I mean, sometimes it's hard to keep up, but I, I don't think I ever get tired of it. There's always so much new stuff to learn about and to see and to try out. So I think it would be impossible to get fatigued over that part of it. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, sometimes there's a little bit of information overload and you have to kind of disconnect a little bit. And that's that's my best answer to that kind of thing. Right. And as much as I think for some outsiders to say, oh, I would love to have that job, I think it'd be really easy to just get jaded after a while. It's like, oh, yeah, another question about this, you know, another new uh, another new video card, eh, whatever. <laughs> so I, I think that's that's really quite impressive the way you can you can stay fresh and, and stay focused on that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a challenge sometimes, but I guess when you just live it day to day, it becomes second nature in a lot of ways. And and you get excited about when new stuff happens. I mean, when there's something truly innovative and interesting that just it's like, wow, cool. Like I, we haven't seen something like that yet. Right. And you get excited about it all over again. Mm. OK, so rapid fire time. Reaction time is a factor. So don't think too much. Answer with whatever comes to mind. OK. Star Wars or Star Trek? Star Trek. Kirk or Picard? Picard. 
Uh, Marvel or DC? Marvel. Mac or PC? Mac. Console or PC? Mm, PC. RPG, RTS, or FPS? RPG. <laughs> I could not but laugh. It's like any non-gamers are like, was that even English? But, <laughs> but anyway. Robots, pirates, or zombies? Oh, ah, it's between robots and zombies. <laughs> I, I guess by that reaction, it sounded a little robot bit like zombie. a zombie. <laughs> yes, there you go. Robot zombie. If you could have a superpower, what would it be and why? Oh, that's that's a toughie. Um, see, I always want to say I would love to be able to fly, but that just doesn't seem like a good idea. Because you would be the flying person and everyone would see you all the time. It would just draw way mm. too much attention. Invisible, not so much. I don't think I would really want to be invisible. I guess the ability to, like, I would love to have, like, super memory. Mm. Where I could just read stuff and remember things, like, verbatim. That'd be great. Yeah, I think having high-powered memory. As long as you can delete the things you don't want to remember. Selective memory. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah, selective memory. It's like, you know, you think a photographic memory, memory would be awesome until you're like, can't forget the most traumatic thing that's happened to you. you know? Cannot see. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that is actually way too relevant for the Internet generation <laughs> yeah, right. where you actually have brain bleach. <laughs> so would you use that power for good or evil? Uh, I would use it f uh, for my own good, for sure. <laughs> for your I'm own sure ends. I'm how I would help other people with that, but I'm sure I could find a way. But yeah, I would always, I, I don't have a supervillain in me, I don't think. Um, so I think it'd have to be for good. Hmm. What is your favorite science fiction curse word? Oh, that's a good one. Favorite science fiction curse word? Well, I think the easy answer is, is frack. But that just seems so uninventive. I love all the curse. Well, they're not really science fiction curse words because they're actually real curse words in Mandarin. But all the um, all the Firefly curse ah, words yeah. are pretty great. Um, but I can't I can't speak Mandarin, so I can't I can't really work that in. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess I guess frack is the best answer. All right, all right. Well, that is it for rapid fire. So, what might be the geekiest thing you've ever done? Geekiest thing I've ever done. Um, I feel like I can remember many times where my boyfriend has said that thing you just did was super geeky, but it's hard to actually come up with a specific one. Um, I guess probably going to, we have a guild hall at BlizzCon. That's pretty geeky. Mm. Our, our guild, AIE, uh, which I co-founded, has taken on a life of its own. And so whenever there's conferences like Dragon Con or, or BlizzCon, they actually rent out spaces now, our officers, and, and create an AIE guild hall. And they just hang out there the whole time and like hang out together and play, have, play games and eat snacks and watch video feeds of the conference and get drunk and do podcasts. <laughs> and it's great. It's, it's super geeky. So I guess Giving birth to that guild with Scott Johnson and, and Randy Jordan is probably one of the geekiest things I've ever done. Mm, that, that's, that's definitely up there, yeah. In fact, I actually, I hardly play Warcraft at all these days. And um, I feel like the guild has gotten so big that there are people who are in it that don't even know who I am that I'm involved <laughs> with it. And so it's just, it, that's how much it's grown up over the past like six, seven years. Wow, yeah, that's got to be pretty humbling. It is very humbling. Very. So do you have any advice for any 
people who want to get into new media or into technology journalism? Uh, yeah, I get asked this question constantly. And I think the best answer that I, I can give is if you're passionate about it, you should be doing it already. Um, if you want to get into web video, if you want to get into podcasting and you have a topic that you're super excited about or super interested in, uh, just start it. I mean, the barrier en to entry is so low these days that if you can if you can afford a halfway decent microphone, um, if you can download a free app like Audacity and Levelator, if you can like shoot a video in front of your webcam reviewing a product, if you can sign up for a free blog account on on like WordPress or or Blogger or whatever people use these days for free blogs, um, it's it's that easy to start writing, to start shooting, to start producing your own web content. And that way, if you want to apply a job in that field, if there's something available, or if you hope to get picked up by a larger entity, um, you have a back catalog of content that you can point them to to say, hey, I'm doing this show on my own on YouTube for the past two years. This is what it sounds like. This is the kind of work that I've been doing on my own without any help. Right. So, so I guess in the words of Nike, just do it. Just freaking do it. Yeah. What might you say has been the secret to your success? Um, I guess the secret to my success is, uh, <laughs> thank you for saying I've been successful, by the way. That's very kind of you. I guess just being truly passionate. I hope that my excitement for the stuff I talk about comes through. And, you know, I, I engage in a lot of discussions with my viewers and with my readers, and uh, there's a lot of back and forth. And I'm taking them into account all the time when we're creating content. And I think that's the most important part. You want to listen to your viewers and just do what's best by them and by you. Mm. It's the best you can do. So, so I guess authenticity, maybe authenticity. Yeah, I would, I would say is probably the the key word there. So, where can people go to find more about you and all your various projects? Do you ever sleep? I do sleep. I love sleeping. Um, all my stuff is linked from my about.me page at about.me slash Veronica. Uh, my website is veronicabelmont.com and uh, I'm on Twitter at Veronica. And that's oh, I hit my microphone. And <laughs> that's pretty much yeah. That's that's where you can find everything. All right, Veronica, well, thanks for talking with me. You've definitely got some geek cred. Well, that's just about going to do it for this episode. So if you've got any questions, comments, suggestions, feedback, make your voice heard. Call 818-925-4335 or email geekcred at geekcred.net. You can also find the show notes along with much more information, including Facebook, Twitter, iTunes, chat, how you can donate. It's all at geekcred.net. For Veronica Belmont, I've been Steve Rickyberg. That's going to do it for me. So until next time, geek on. <laughs>